0: From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Pulitzer Prize winning columnist George Will left the Republican Party in 2016 to protest the nomination of Donald Trump as the GOP's presidential candidate. And in a recent column, he went on a step further, calling for the defeat of President Trump and the Republican Senate majority in November. Longtime conservative thought leader joins us to talk about the presidential election and why he's denouncing Trump more urgently than ever. And welcome, George. Will, good to have you back with us. Glad to be with you. I guess the place to begin is, uh, did you ever imagine that you would be talking about wanting to essentially get rid of all your fellow Republicans? Uh, This seems not only unprecedented, it seems quite radical, frankly. Uh, I didn't imagine
1: it until... uh about three years ago when I saw that he was being normalized. That's why I left the Republican Party on June 3rd, 2016, because on June 2nd, of 2016, my friend who I like and admire very much, Paul Ryan, uh, endorsed him, having just recently denounced what he called a textbook case of racism on the part of, of President Trump. It just seems to me there's an axiom that's applicable here. The axiom is that when there's no penalty for failure, failure will proliferate. And I think when there's no penalty for enabling execrable political behavior, such behavior will multiply. And that those who have covered for the president, who have remained silent because of their fear of the president, uh, that there should be a penalty for this.
0: Well, in the wake of uh, the president calling troops out for what many see as a photo op to stand with a Bible upside down, uh, it echoes to something you said in one of your Washington Post column, that there really is no rock bottom for many of those who oppose this president who have been adverse to him uh, from the beginning. And you also say somewhat, shall I say, um, chillingly, the worst is yet to come. What do you mean by that? I mean, why should we assume that, that uh, we've seen
1: rock bottom? I, backward reels the mind, as Time magazine used to say. Backward reels the mind to, I guess it was July 2015, when Donald Trump had just announced his candidacy. And he went to Iowa, where he was uh, – someone referred to him in a question to the war hero John McCain. He says, not a war hero. Uh, I don't like people who got caught. John McCain, of course, was caught because he was blown out of the sky by a, a surface to air missile when he, when he was in his uh, Navy fighter bomber. Uh, at that point, I think a lot of people say, well, that's about as low as you can go. Well, he's repeatedly plumbed new depths, and there's no reason to believe that, that he won't continue. I'm, frankly, quite worried because of the fact that it seems to me his coming defeat is likely and will appear likely to him. The one thing he cannot stand is to be considered weak and a loser, and he looks like both now. And it's, it's, it's difficult to, to uh, see what parameters are to his behavior when he gets in extremists like this.
0: Well, you were quite critical of uh, Defense Secretary Esper and General uh, Mark Milley, who's head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. In fact, uh, you talked about them in terms of something I haven't heard in quite some time, Mm -hmm. the the Peter Principle, rising to levels of incompetence. And one wonders if he refuses to be removed, if he loses an election, and you seem to believe he will lose this election, uh, if the military would, shall we say, act against the President of the United States, Commander-in-Chief?
1: I don't think it will be up to the military to evict him from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, the pre- it's very important, I think, that we anticipate a loss by the president that is not to say no more gracious. It is therefore important to hope that the popular vote and electoral vote margins are whopping. So he can't say, well, this is all illegal immigrants or something of the sort as he did remember, he says he lost New Hampshire because hundreds of thousands of illegal people were bused into New Hampshire. I I do believe that the the Secret Service ought to be mulling over what it does if we approach noon, January 20th, 2021, and the president is still saying the election was illegitimate. Uh, I, I, I suppose if the his defeat is decisive enough not even he will uh, be able to say the election was rigged and the result therefore illegitimate
0: i want to ask you about something that uh, i noticed over the weekend and reading uh, joe klein uh, an article he did actually a review he did of david from his book called trumpocalypse which we featured on this program along with your book about conservative ideology and uh, conservative philosophy, which you and David Frum still uh, fairly strongly in favor of and support and are adherence to. Um, But something that Joe Klein said, and I'm just going to read this and get your response, by tacitly supporting Richard Nixon's Southern strategy, had and he's talking about Republicans here, which you were until 2016, Had they been accomplices to the racial tribalization of American politics by coddling anti-science evangelicals? Had they taken the wrong side on issues ranging from creationism to climate change by pushing for a bellicose crusade? Yes, crusade is the proper word in the Middle East. Had they destroyed America's credibility in the world and unleashed a know-nothing populist whirlwind at home by denigrating almost every aspect of the federal government? Had they helped destroy the public trust? You can see what Joe Klein's getting at here. In other words, what about culpability previously? Now, you're one of the last of the Republican intellectual elite, and the result, uh, especially post Tea Party, has been devastating to your party uh, for those who, like you, oppose President Trump. But was this all kind of sequentially cause and effect? Did it all lead up to Trump?
1: I think uh, Mr. Klein is simplifying. Uh, I mean, to go right back to the beginning of the litany of indictments that you just read, uh, the Republican Southern strategy. For decades, the Democratic Party uh, did very well by reaping electoral votes and Senate seats particularly and Senate chairmanships from the solid segregationist Democratic South. When I came to Washington to work on the Senate staff in 1970, The Senate was run by Eastland of Southern Mississippi, Stennis of Corinth, Mississippi, Richard Russell of Winder, Georgia, McClellan of Arkansas, Fulbright of Arkansas, Sparkman of Alabama, Spessard Holland of Florida. Uh, It was when the Republicans decided to compete for votes in the South that it suddenly became illegitimate. So I I, I think uh, Joe Klein's somewhat blunderbuss uh, indictment of, all hitherto actions by Republicans for the last 30 years is is uh, unfair.
0: Is it also at this point unfair to say that the Republicans made a Faustian deal with uh, the present president of the United States uh, tax cut and anti-abortion and the other things that they wanted?
1: Well, and uh, the president of course has done nothing about abortion policy because abortion policy, essentially since 1973, has been out of the hands of the elected branches of of American government. So uh, the president says he's pro-life. He's been pro-choice. He's been pro-partial birth abortion. He's been all over the map on this and on other matters. But on abortion, he's he's unimportant because the position of elected officials on abortion doesn't matter. Uh, With tax cuts, he was for tax cuts. But particularly corporate tax cuts. Barack Obama wanted to cut the corporate income tax because ours was the highest among developed nations. On uh, judges, any Republican president would have taken uh, judges from shortlists prepared by people like the Federalist Society. That's not what makes Trump distinctive. Rather, what makes Trump distinctive is his manner, his coarseness, is dishonesty. And that is the enabling that uh, the Republicans, by their silence, uh, have furthered.
0: Yeah, you use the word course uh, a couple of times in your columns. Uh, you also call him the crybaby-in-chief and a weak man, and uh, Lear ranging on his heather, I, li- I like this actually, uh, I like the literary reference, Lear ranging on his Twitter, Heath. Uh, and one who proves that malignant buffoon is not an oxymoron. In other words, you certainly don't mince words where President Trump is concerned, but there are 40 percent of the voters that apparently disagree with you entirely, or at least uh, put all that aside and support him.
1: That is the most sobering fact of all. In 2016, for the first time in our history, we had two major party candidates enter the autumn election with higher disapproval numbers than approval numbers. And so in 2016, you can sort of understand the voters who said, let's pick the devil we don't know as well. They've been familiar with Hillary Clinton since 1992 and they chose Trump. What is staggering is that 40% of the country, uh, not much below uh, his, his vote in 2016, Forty percent of the country has watched this for four years and said, yeah, we approve of what he's doing. That is a sobering thought about this country that I don't know quite how to process.
0: Talking again with columnist Pulitzer Prize winning columnist and author George Will, The Washington Post. His most recent book is called The Conservative Sensibility. And if you have something you'd like to ask or say to George Will, you can give us a call right now. I invite you to do that. The number to call is 866-733-6786. Again, join us at 866-733-6786 or get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook or at KQED Forum or email any questions or comments you might have to forum at kqed.org. And quick question here from Wendy to you, George Will. What exactly does George Will think Republicans in office have to fear from Trump? What if they act en masse? And some think that now with Lisa Murkowski saying, I don't know if I can support him, that maybe we're going to see some dominoes here. But... I think Lisa, Wendy's question goes right to the heart. What do you see as uh, the enabling that you have <clears throat> condemned? What's behind
1: it? The, expan- the explanation is really simple. It's the four-letter F word, fear. Uh, they saw what happened to former senator from Arizona, Jeff Flake, former Senator Corker from Tennessee, former Congressman Sanford from South Carolina. They know that one presidential tweet can inflame their base. The Republicans in Congress are terrified of their own voters. It's that simple. The Republicans in Congress know that most people in congressional seats and both parties have only to fear from primaries because they're in otherwise safe seats. They don't want to be primaried. The Republicans in Congress know that the party today is more united than it has been at any time since it was founded in Wisconsin in 1854. Let me give you an example. And at the 500-day mark of the Reagan presidency, Ronald Reagan had the support of 77 percent of Republicans. At the 500-day mark of the Trump presidency, he had the support of 87 percent of Republicans, and today it's over 90 percent. The Republican Party in the 20th century was frequently divided and had a, a, a yeasty, stimulating argument going for decades. 1912, Republican incumbent President William Howard Taft is challenged for the nomination and reelection by a former Republican president, Teddy Roosevelt. That conservative Republican against liberal Republican uh, dynamic played out in the 1940s with the Dewey Progressive Republicans, Dewey from New York, And Robert Taft, the senator from Ohio, representing the conservative Republicans. In the 1960s, it was the Goldwater Republicans, the conservatives against the Rockefeller Republicans and the left, culminating outside San Francisco in the Cow Palace in the nomination of Goldwater. So dissent within the Republican Party and ferment of argument has been perfectly normal. That is over, and it will be over until this man leaves and our somewhat invertebrate members of republican caucuses in the house and the senate are released from their fear and can go back
0: to thinking and uh i was struck by one of your columns where you said uh, they'll get amnesia if uh, trump is not reelected, and uh we'll hear for example from many of them uh, after watergate and nixon there were many who said that they did not support nixon including members of the gop uh that is almost predictable There's a tweet from a listener named Michael who says, does Mr. Will support the Lincoln Project's activities to create a Democratic majority in the Senate?
1: Well, I have, uh, in in, uh, the column that's just referenced, I called for the defeat of Republicans running this year. So in that sense, I guess the logic is that I'm I'm content to live with, however briefly I hope, uh, Democratic majorities in the United Government.
0: Well, what about uh, for this it may seem anomalous uh, to you, I suspect it, but uh, someone like Mitt Romney, who is out there protesting over the weekend, in fact, against racial injustice, marching with a group of Christians who is protesting.
1: Oh, good for, good for Mitt Romney. It was, a, it was the appropriate thing for him to do. Uh, I would still like to hear him and 53 other Republican senators, 52 other Republican senators, uh, address with similar forthrightness the
0: president himself, who is at the heart of much of our current discontent. Here's Brian who writes, do you think that conservatives on Capitol Hill will experience a certain level of relief if Trump is elected out of office in November, or will there still be a strong contingent who will hunker down into grievance politics?
1: I think that there will be a division within the party. I think there are some, Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley, and others, uh, Holly, the freshman senator from uh, Missouri, cottonist freshman senator from Arkansas. There will be some who will say Trump's manner was wrong, but his ideas were right, that we must be the party of, of those left behind, of the white working class, uh, discombobulated by globalization and all the rest. There will be others, however, who will say, The Republican Party traditionally has been the party of somewhat limited government, some sort of fiscal responsibility. Remember, before the pandemic knocked the economy sideways, the Republican administration was presiding over a trillion-dollar one-year budget deficit at full employment and at 2 percent economic growth. So I think there will be some Republicans who say we're going to rediscover our commitment to free trade, to free markets, to fiscal austerity, fiscal discipline, not even austerity. And so you're going to have a raging argument. But there will be a Trumpkin remnant that will try to say the Trump doctrines, such as they are, were all right. It was just the manner of the messenger.
0: What do you uh, say about Jim Mattis's uh, coming out so strongly in his rhetoric uh, opposing the president? I think you said you honor him and uh, uh, you honor his reluctance, I think was your language. Uh, But many said he waited too long. He should have spoken earlier. I honor
1: his reluctance because the American military has a strong and worthy tradition of steering clear of politics. We really don't want officers to represent a partisan faction for or against any particular position. So the, the, the reticence that is imbued into our officer corps, and rightly so, by military training and by military experience, uh, disposed Mattis and former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mike Mullen, and others to hold their tongues which makes it all the more impressive when they feel provoked beyond reticence and break their their unwritten code to speak out as he did
0: another comment about what uh, power president trump may have over republicans in the senate a tweet from kd who says uh, what does Trump have on all these vocal, powerful Republican leaders? Is he blackmailing them? I've never seen them so terrified of a politician. They follow him like zombies in a trance. You were talking about <laughs> their concern about uh, the base and getting what happened to Jeff Flake happened to them and all that. But for some people, I think that listener may reflect this, think it may even go deeper than that, that that there are other uh, cards uh, that he may be holding. Yeah.
1: Uh, when in doubt... Don't go for the deeper explanation. Apply Occam's razor here. That is, explain things by the simplest, plausible explanation. And the simple, plausible explanation is careerism. If we had term limits, if a large number of Senate Republicans were in their second and final six-year term, you would have a very different relationship between the president and those, and those Republicans who, having nothing left to lose in the way of tenure in office, would, uh, I think, speak more
0: freely. Talking again with George Will, his most recent book is The Conservative Sensibility. There's a listener named David who says, I just want to reiterate, the voters did not choose Trump over Clinton. The Electoral College did. The point is not insignificant. The voters chose Clinton. Your thoughts on that, George Will?
1: Yeah, well, uh, the Electoral College is a long, complicated argument. I'm an enthusiastic Uh, supporter of the Electoral College. I'm as enthusiastic for the Electoral College as I am uh, determined and outspoken against the most recent beneficiary of it. I think the Electoral College is going to do in 2020 what it often does, which is turn a, I won't say unimpressive, but a, a, a moderate popular vote victory into an enormous electoral vote landslide, at which point, uh, some of today's critics of Electoral College are going to rethink it. Go back and look at 1960, when Jack Kennedy beat Richard Nixon by about 100,000 votes nationwide. That is by about one vote per precinct nationwide. Yet the Electoral College margin was quite substantial, uh, giving him a validation and a legitimacy that was uh, very helpful in his governance.
0: A uh, listener named Alex says, how does the Senate play into all of this chaotic justification of presidential abuse of power and behavior? Very direct question. And I would add to that question from our listener, Alex, uh, the role of someone who has been pinpointed and really targeted as the villain in the Senate, Mitch McConnell. George Will. <clears throat>
1: well, I think the Senate, under, under control of both parties, has been shameful in Well, the technical term is delegating and delegating powers that should not be delegated to presidents of both parties. Uh, I have written for the last 20 years over and over again. There's an entire chapter in in my book, The Conservative Sensibility, on the grotesque, swollen nature of the modern presidency that is the result of, among other things, the dereliction of duty by Congress to do its job a Congress that, again, under both parties, has been all too eager to fob off on presidents responsibility for managing trade, for regulatory matters that go virtually unchallenged by the executive branch, uh, by the legislative branch, which is incapable of or uninterested in serious oversight. There's a lot of blame to go around, but it's basically if the blame goes to the bipartisan uh, participation of Congress in its own emasculation.
0: As long as we're talking about emasculation of Congress and Congress's role, uh, another listener wants to know what you thought of the Trump impeachment process, and did you support it?
1: Uh, I I, I think Trump is unfit to be president, but I did not think that they had— Strong articles of impeachment. Uh, What makes Trump unfit for office doesn't boil down into nice, neat indictments. An impeachment trial is a trial. And the, the Senate, as you may know, is formally at that point a court. It reconvenes as an impeachment court. And therefore, you have to observe certain niceties. But I I thought it was a it was a weak case against him for removal from office, particularly given the fact that it came up within within one year of an occasion for the electorate to rethink and and uh, demonstrate that the cure for a bad election is a better election.
0: Again, our guest is George Will and our caller, Katie, is joining us. Katie, you're on the air. Good morning. um,
1: Hi. I'm just wondering if it's. Uh, It seems that that we were all really shocked in 2016, the the intelligentsia, the media that that had happened, that Trump happened. Isn't it important that we have a really compelling, clear message addressing every possible justification that Republicans could have to reelect him? Because we don't want to be surprised again unless we're sure it's. It can't happen. But I think I feel like people like George, you, George Will and other Bush, who's going to not be voting for and Romney, who aren't going to be voting. There should be some clear campaign, it seems to me, that's very structured and addresses those Republicans. Oh,
0: the, Lincoln, actually, the Lincoln Project does that, I think, uh, Katie. But uh, let's hear from George Will on that. Thank you for that question.
1: I agree with that. I, I, any president seeking reelection becomes the principal object of the campaign. And it is up to the Democrats and others who oppose Mr. Trump to turn this into a referendum on him. Most presidents seeking reelection encourage and enjoy basking in the chance four more years. Now, I think it is vanishingly small chance that an American majority is going to say, yes, gosh, this is such fun. Let's have four more years of this. I do not think the American people are angry. I think the American people are sad and embarrassed and exhausted. And I think those three attributes are going to produce a a decisive repudiation of what has just come. And it will be a much more healthy outcome for the country than an impeachment
0: would have been. And I'm gonna bring another call around with us. Doris, join us. Good morning, you're on the air. Hi, good morning, thank you very much. Mr. Will and Mr. Krasny, I just have one question. Having lived quite a long time now, fortunately still here, I just have a a sort of rhetorical question, but I know the answer and I think you do too. At what point are we collectively going to say, not only the emperor has no clothes, but this is basically cult leadership. This is leadership that is based on fear and con behavior, like, like conning everyone, and let's remember Jim Jones, and let's remember people were conned into going to Guyana. People were conned into various other behaviors over the years. Foreign well, students do- were conned into joining the cult of the Moonies or any other cult Doris, you Doris, me. Let me go to the heart of what you're asking. Is this a cult now, the Republican Party, George Will?
1: Well, Doris is not the first person to suggest that, and by cult we mean, A, irrational, B, not susceptible to falsification. That is, there's nothing that the object of the cult worship can do that would cause the cult to disintegrate. So in that sense, it seems to be a, a fair use of the word.
0: Let me thank Doris for the call and uh, again, remind you that George Will is with us, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist with the Washington Post. and. Author of *The Conservative Sensibility*, I've often been struck by uh, your love of poetry, which we share. And uh, you brought in *The Hollow Men* by T.S. Eliot in this most recent article about really going toward the defeat of Trump. Uh, I'm reminded, and you use, use the word sobering, of the last lines of *The Second Coming* of Yeats: uh, "The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of pes- passionate intensity." Uh, sound right about right to you, George Will? Yes, slouching toward Bethlehem, indeed. Yeah, slouching toward Bethlehem, yeah. I said the second coming, is slouching toward Bethlehem. Thank you. And thank you, George Will. Thank Good you. to have you with us. Uh, thank you. Another hour is up ahead. Stay tuned. I'm Michael Krasny.